spine chillers and serial killers. I'm Rebecca. I'm Tash. And I'm Emma. Tash is back. Back again. Oh, we missed you, babes. Oh, thank you. I missed you so much too. Are you glad to be back? I am. Yeah, I've really, really missed it. It's been fun listening to Tom, but your girl's back. <laughs> yeah, we, we needed Tash back. I mean, Tom did great though, right? Oh, he did oh, a great 100%. job. I really, really enjoyed listening to him. And he, um, he's, he's a funny one, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he never fails to make me laugh. He definitely is a funny one. We'll have to have him back. I can't guarantee uh, <laughs> I can't guarantee the accents though like he does. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tash, do you want to tell people what's been going on with you or not really? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm fine Sharon's caring and all that. So basically, I just had terrible glandular fever and uh, didn't realize that was what was wrong with me for about two weeks and sort of powered on just crying in my bath wondering why I was so ill and thinking I was a little bit crazy and thinking this isn't just a cold and then um just kept getting various symptoms be honest like how many covid tests did you do oh I was doing a covid test every single day I can imagine and I got to the point where I, I was like crying to my doctor and I was like, I wish it was COVID so I'd know what was wrong with me. Mm. And then um, one morning I woke up and uh, was surprised that I hadn't suffocated myself in my sleep because my tonsils were so um, swollen. And so I went to a hospital and they confirmed that I had glandular fever and I just had to ride it out. <laughs> Because it's viral, so there's absolutely nothing you can do apart from rest and drink lots of water. So that's what I've been doing for the past three weeks. Um, but yeah, over the worst of it now. So just got to get through the tired. Yeah, just got to get through the tiredness now because it's quite. Um, it just sort of knocks you for six. You're just exhausted the whole time. So. Yeah, yeah. If there's any yawning throughout, do excuse me. I'm not bored. I'm just exhausted with life it's all right sweetie we'll uh, we'll, we'll edit the yawns <laughs> how did you did you not find drinking lots of water really hard so hard because i i'm not a big drinker anyway like i don't drink i definitely don't drink enough water anyway or any drinks i'm i'm the type of person that only drinks once i'm thirsty and and that's too late isn't it you're already yeah. dehydrated by then um yeah. but i just had to force myself so i but it was also hard because I had the tonsillitis, which comes oh, yeah. with glandular fever. So like it was painful to drink as well. So I had to kind of like, you know, compose myself before having a drink. But Aww. I just knew that was the only thing that was getting me through. And because um, I had no appetite, so I wasn't really eating. So I just had to drink and that's all I could really do. So... Aww. It's been shit but for you, certain... hasn't it, really, love? It's yeah, it's shit. been really rough. I'll be <laughs> honest, it's the worst I've ever felt. Like, I, at one point, I did think I was crazy. I was like, am I putting this on? But I wasn't putting it on, and I was just very, very poorly. So. Bless your cotton socks. Yeah, it's no fun. And I don't know where I got glandular fever from, so we're uh, potentially a phantom. Maybe it was a ghost oh, kissing me. What, an incubus. Maybe it was an incubus uh, giving me the old glandular fever because I've not been kissing anyone else. So. 
So it, was I right in saying that glandular fever in America's mono? It is, yes. 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 So, yeah, that sucks. It does. Bless you. So, little confession. Go on, confess away. You girls already know this, so it's not... Oh. I, I'm also not very well at the minute. Not quite as drastic as um, Tash, but I have something called BPPV, which gives me basically constant dizziness. And I also have something else now called PPPD, which means it's persistent and permanent dizziness, which is just fabulous. So I've had a load of checks and uh, exams done today, so I feel like absolute crap. So I've been a bit of a lazy bum this week, and I'm just going to read out something that I found on Reddit that is terrifying, granted, and I think you'll find it really interesting, Um, but it's not about a ghost, it's not about anything paranormal, but it is spine chilling, so I thought it... I mean... I thought it's still on brand right so, yeah, yeah that's that's kind of yeah. what I thought and so yeah I am just going to literally read what I found on reddit so none of this is done by me this is red you know the post I found on reddit just forgive me guys because I feel like I'm I've been I don't know on the tea I mean you've been through it as well there's no you know it's not a competition between who's been ill no you know and and yours is obviously sort of more long term than mine so I just have to deal with it but today's not been it's just not been a good few days so um, I have actually got one half prepared for next week that's a good one as well this is good this is good I just wanted to put it out there that I do know that I am reading something that I've just found on reddit so in case anybody's like oh she's just reading what she's found do you know what I mean yeah, of course. But you know what, guys? It's good to mix things up sometimes. And just cut me some and People slack. could say that about every yeah. week about my stories as well. So oh, I do uh, yeah. um, take a lot off of uh, Wikipedia. and well, then... Of course, of course. That's what the internet is for, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And to be honest, if all these stories were our own, then fuck our lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, generally, I do like to put things in my own words. Like, you know, I'll read yeah. the information and I will put things in my own words and write it all out nicely and do all the research and whatnot. But, you know, I just I'm, I just hold my hands up. I haven't had it in me this week. So just cut me some slack. We absolutely will cut you all the slack you need. And to make up for it, I do have two very funny clips of 911 calls to make up for <laughs> I love 991 calls they're so funny G- aren't they? generally I hate them when it's like the serious stuff oh yeah like I don't like the sad like scary like upsetting no. ones but some of them are jokes but, aren't they yeah I, I, yeah I don't know if these are real or not but if they're real it's so funny so yeah <laughs> so that's me this week so, so I think it's my go to start isn't it don't ask me like I say, week for week, can't remember anything from the week before. But yeah, I think I started last time. It's definitely me to start because, oh my God, your story went on last week. 
Not because of the not and the thing is it wasn't because the story was long. It was because me and Tom kept interrupting and making Becky laugh, and then we went on a tangent. And people won't realise this because I have impeccable editing skills now. But oh my god, you do! Oh my god, it took a long time. Um, The thing is that when you make me laugh, I then stutter for the next two sentences at least, or I can't pronounce something and then I get all flustered thinking that people are not going to think I'm going to be able to, I can't read. It was so so funny, Becky, because like you'd read a sentence and you'd go wrong and you'd go, oh, fuck's sake. (laughs) So I'd cut that sentence out thinking the next sentence would be the right one, you know. And I think it happened like four or five times on one sentence. And I just had to... It was because of that woman's name. Yeah. Joanne Van something. Joanne Van Stran. We <laughs> get so hung up on names, don't we? Like, it is our biggest downfall. But that one rhymed. Just... It was a hard one yeah, to but get past. It did Why rhyme. is everyone's name so funny? She was called Joanne Van Stran. I mean, that... that no, it, like... It rhymes. It's hilarious. But, like, I very rarely find a name funny in day-to-day life. Yeah. <laughs> When we These, talk like, here, yeah. serious situations. I don't know what it was. And there we are, pissing ourselves at their fucking names. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, last week, I think we had almost like two and a half hours of recording just to get like an hour and 20 episode. <laughs> yeah, because we started quite early, didn't we? Oh. We started early. We were like, right, we got, I'm not, you, both you and Tom were like, I'm going to stay up until midnight. And what did we do? Past midnight. Oh, we did. We did. Oh, really? Oh, it took forever. Oh. And then of course. I would have secretly had the hump if I was there last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely my turn to start this week. And this is not funny. I I genuinely found this terrifying. Okay, so, so no laughing, Becky. It's not funny. It, it is not funny. If I may, if I try and say something funny, it's because I am scared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> try right. and make it better. So this again, repeating. I found this on Reddit, and I'm reading it word for word. And it was in a subreddit called Confessions. And most of the subreddits on there were like, oh, I don't know, my grandma caught me wanking or, you know, something (laughs) something embarrassing. And then I came in her eye or something. (laughs) (laughs) My God, (laughs) Becky. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Well, I didn't post it. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't exist. Nobody posted that. Terrible. I'm pretty sure someone did. Reddit's full of very dark places. It, yeah, well, this is this is fucking dark, and I think it's pretty old. I think it's from like five years ago or something. Anyway, I'm going. So old. <clears throat> Let's do this. Okay. Fair warning: this one is long as hell. Apologies for that, but this is very hard for me, and I have been carrying it for a lot. I have been carrying it for a lot of years. On the advice of my therapist, I've written it out to try and work out my feelings on it. He didn't advise me to submit it to Reddit, of course, but I have struggled with this for a long time and I need to hear other people's opinions on it. I really still have no idea how I feel about it, even after all these years, but I will submit for judgment by the masses. I know I did wrong on some things, probably a lot of things. I tried to do the best that I could. 
My son was very troubled. Very troubled. If you have seen the movie, we need to talk about Kevin. Oh. I, yeah. I haven't seen I that. I haven't seen that either, but I feel like it's one I should watch after Becky's just gone... Um, it will really help you understand what I'm talking about because I swear to God, when I watched that film, I thought I was watching a documentary of my life. I felt like the writer must have had cameras hidden in my damn house. That's how accurate it was. The only difference is that in the movie, the boy appears normal to his father and only reveals his true nature to his mother. With my son, he didn't even have that mask. His insane behaviour was the same with everyone. From the day he was born, my son just came out wrong. He was planned, my wife and I tried to get pregnant and were ecstatic when he was born. He was wanted and loved. We showered affection on him and really tried to give him a happy childhood. But from the day we brought him home from the hospital, he was miserable. He cried for 13 months straight. I'm not exaggerating. 13 months without a break. He cried until he had no voice left and he kept crying. You could see his little face scrunched up and no sound coming out. Totally hoarse. There were times he would literally be crying in his sleep. I've never seen or heard of any other kid able to do that. We brought him to doctors, specialists, tried changing his diet, held him, rocked him. He had toys, he was swaddled, he had music, mobiles, everything we could think of. Nothing worked. 13 months of grating, grinding, no sleep, hell. I can't even fucking imagine that. That's just so awful. Yeah, how they hadn't thrown him out the window is beyond me. Well, it's quite frowned upon, actually, Tash, throwing... In many cultures. Yeah. <laughs> Babies out of windows is a no-no. <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah. shouldn't do that. Kids, don't throw your babies out the window. <laughs> no, do not do that. But the, yeah, 13 months of non-stop... Um, baby crying is... It's, yeah, it's piercing, isn't well, it? Well, that, because that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to make yeah. you react react yeah. and it's an instinctive reaction you know i've got to make you better it's that's how nature yeah. works so th- i can't even imagine 13 months of it that's insane anyway back to the story once he got over the crying stage we thought we were out of the woods but it quickly became clear that for some unknown reason he was just angry about being alive I never saw that kid have a genuine, joyous smile once in the time I knew him. I saw him grin, a vicious, horrible grin, many times, taking a perverse pleasure from causing pain or suffering or breaking a rule. But a smile from real pleasure at something nice? No, never, not once. He had no interest in anything positive. He was fueled by hate and everything he did was bent toward that. Well, he sounds very joyous, oh, doesn't he? He does not. He does not. This, this, I don't know why this really... Isn't it weird the way he's writing about the child, though, as if it isn't his own? Well, I think... Or her own, I don't know if it's... It's, hi- it's him, and the guy, apparently, oh, who's yeah. writing it is about 70. 
when he's oh, when okay. he's writing this. And I think he doesn't think that it's his own because he just doesn't like it. And I'm saying it because it obviously is something um, evil. As soon as he could walk, his mission in life was to destroy things. I mean, fair enough, we could say that about anybody, couldn't we? You know, any toddlers, when they walk, they want to touch and... Yeah. yeah destroy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's definitely different levels, isn't there? Oh, yes, yeah. Like, some kids are definitely worse than others. Well, this one would try to break or break anything that came in his range. He'd smash it, chew it, throw it in the toilet or whatever he could. That's not normal. After a while, he figured out how to get his diaper off. That's a nappy. (laughs) Just in case. So he figured out how to get his diaper off and took great pleasure in shitting and pissing anywhere he could. Oh. He is up to this point. Yeah, an unruly toddler. I mean, yeah, the whole taking off the nappy and everything and shitting everywhere, that's that's really annoying and obviously has a, a few, probably a few little problems there, but it kind of just sounds like a toddler to me so far. Oh. Be it a naughty one. Yeah, a naughty one. And it sounds I mean, like the dad you, resents Bex, him. <laughs> no, my, I mean, my my kids haven't don't pride themselves in taking the nappies off and shitting everywhere thank god i never had that you know like when people have like the kids that take the nappy off in the when they're napping and just oh no i don't don't think i had that shit all in the car everywhere like i've never had that i think i've had that once actually and it was a mistake i never had it was never had to in the bath either she hadn't done yeah she hadn't done it on purpose After a while, he figured out he could hide it and started pissing and shitting in places we wouldn't find right away. Grinding it. No, I've changed my mind now. Completely wrong. (laughs) Don't hide shit. (laughs) Grinding it into into the carpets, making it even more of a problem to clean and making the house stink. When he got older, ages 9 to 15, he would piss and shit in our bed. Oh, hold on. So, like, this is an ongoing thing. It didn't just stop when he was, like, potty trained. No, he kept doing this until he was 15. Isn't shit poo smearing and everything like that? Isn't that sign of, could, can be a sign of abuse when they're older? I I don't know. Can be, not not all the time. I mean, fucking disgusting. Yeah, absolutely disgusting. But I thought that was a big red flag. He's just not right, is he? No. He's just not right. So he would piss and shit in our bed until we got a lock on our door and he wasn't able to get in anymore. Then he'd just take a dump in the hallway in front of our room. That biological warfare started at around two and a half years old and he never grew out of it. I'll try to speed it up as I could literally go on for days about this stuff, but as he grew older, he became more and more unmanageable. He would bite, kick, scream, scratch and spit at anyone trying to do anything with him. He was kicked out of school twice before he was nine, then let back in and then kicked him and then they kicked him out for good and he had to change schools. The next one put him in a special class that kept him away from the other students. 
We had to install a door and a lock on the kitchen because he would steal knives and use them to gouge the walls and furniture or chase people with them. When he was 10, he stabbed me pretty good in the hip. Sounds like he's got really some sort of mental disorder or some a lot of... Yeah, absolutely. Well, he has been... To, they, they have had him in therapy and they have, you know, they, ha- they they are doing things to, like, help. But but if the gentleman talking about the story is in his 70s, I'm assuming this is, like, a long time ago. So it's not like now where if children have, like, autism... You know, you know, like it's a lot. E- it's easier it's lot, to get. It's, I mean, it's still yeah. super difficult, but also we a know so much more about things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it wasn't picked up on or wasn't diagnosed. Yeah, no, exactly. I, yeah, yeah, you yeah, were yeah. just. I do agree. Um, when he was ten, he stabbed me pretty good in the hip and ass. I still have the scars. As he grew older, he grew darker. He moved into setting things on fire and torturing local animals. That's not good. Can we just stop doing shit like that? Stop torturing animals and stop lighting things on fire. It's so dangerous. I just think parents should just... If you see your kid torturing animals or if they have a bad head injury at some point, I think you just just need to throw the child away and start again. (laughs) It's not going to end well. I mean, to me, I've got to be honest, this kid is screaming serial killer. Yeah, 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 definitely. There was a stray dog that hung out around the park near our house. My son blinded it in one eye with a barbecue fork. What the fuck? Oh, my God. It's horrible. That is an awful image. He would dip cats' tails in gasoline and light them on fire. He became a violent stinking vicious beast that lived in our house we couldn't do anything with him i will take this opportunity to preempt the tsunami of messages yes we had the kid in fucking therapy he saw a psychiatrist twice a week and had god knows how many different medications prescribed to him over the years nothing worked therapy didn't work meds didn't work Nothing fucking worked. He was like a poison cloud of hate and fury lashing out at anything in his reach. When my son was 16, my wife got pregnant again. I can't tell you how different our reaction was. Instead of joy, we felt horror. This Oh, bless them. Yeah. That's horrible. This pregnancy had not been planned and we were really at a loss over what to do. My son had been such an unending nightmare for 16 years. We couldn't take the idea of starting again from the beginning. We talked a lot about terminating, but A, access to abortion was not as easy in those days as it is now, and B, my wife was very against it. We talked about many options. In the end, we decided that my wife would have the baby, and if it turned out evil, we would just put it up for for adoption. Someone else's issue. (laughs) (laughs) It's not our problem anymore. I'd be scared of the baby around the sun if he's so hateful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that too. We We knew we just couldn't do it again with another child like our son. We had a daughter. She was normal. 
Suddenly we saw what our lives should have been like the whole time, how things would have been had our son not been himself. She laughed at things, she breastfed without biting. She didn't have any teeth yet anyway, but you could tell she was just trying to eat, not tear her mum's breast off. After four months she was sleeping through the night, she was happy, she was normal. I can't describe the relief and happiness that we both felt. I don't have the words for it. This is where I believe I may have started really pulling back from my son. Up until that time, whatever mistakes I made, I had always tried to do the best for my son. I am convinced of that. I tried to help him and love him and care for him. I really tried. But when my daughter was born, my wife and I both instinctively just turned toward her. She became our focus. Not from malice, but just because she was so much easier. She was so happy and sweet. Every moment we were were with her was like magic. I understand this was wrong, but we honestly couldn't help it. I don't have a better explanation than that. I kind of, I, I do kind of get it though. Well, I mean, I think it's it's normal, isn't it, to go to gravitate towards something that's easier and gives you joy, isn't it? Because you know, everyone, all, all anyone wants is an easy life, don't they? Well, you, yeah, and you've got the choice between this beautiful, happy baby girl or the shit smearing, dog blinding weirdo you know it's yeah becky's gone quiet do you disagree yeah it's sad yeah i'm back now i'm back in my seat it is a sad situation because they're torn between knowing that they love their son but they don't like him and they they know that they should love him but his behavior is making it impossible yeah what is and then they have this new daughter and yeah who is, as they say, you know, in quits normal, and then they feel guilty about it. I mean, we're just sad all around. Yeah. And then we don't know what's making the lad act the way that he does. Yeah. We don't know if it's, it must be some sort of condition, condition or, or mental illness in there oh, somewhere, yes. or a mix yeah, of 100%. the two. Mm. My son hadn't given a shit about my wife being pregnant. I honestly don't know if he really understood it. But when we brought our daughter home, he started acting out even more. I didn't think it was possible, but he took it up to another notch. At this time, he was he was 17 and we were having blowout screaming matches daily. Usually after we fought, he would storm out of the house and disappear for hours at a time or come back the next morning. It was a relief. I started to actually look forward to our fights because it would get him away from us for a while. That's understandable, isn't it? Yeah, you need a break. After the birth of our daughter, my relationship with my son was almost entirely gone. Our only real interactions were screaming at each other. My wife was even worse with him. She just had nothing left. By that time, if our son even came into the same room as her, she would just stop whatever she was doing and start screaming, get the fuck away from me, get out, get the fuck out, until he left. He started spending more and more time out of the house, which was a blessing for us. I have no idea what he got got up to 
out in the world, but we were just happy it wasn't being inflicted on us. So yeah, God knows what he was doing when he was not in the house. I hate to even bloody imagine. No. Mm. As a consequence of our son's behaviour, we'd invested heavily in locks around our houses. All of the cheap, thin interior doors in our home had been replaced with thick, dense wood doors that couldn't be kicked through. Equipped with keyed locks that my wife and I carried keys to, I know it sounds extreme, but locks and heavy doors were the best way we found to create safe spaces from him. And again, before I am inundated with messages, I was not locking my son in rooms like a prisoner. He had a free reign of the house and could come and go as he pleased. My wife and I would lock ourselves in the rooms to protect ourselves from him. If anything, we were the prisoners in our own home. That's really sad, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Really sad. And you must just live in constant fear. Like, how how do you sleep? Like, is he going to come and get me when I'm asleep? And I just feel as well, like, the time that it was, it's not like it is now. Like, you can get, you know, maybe not always, but you can get help now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. On the day in question, I had fought with my son in the morning and he had left the house in a rage. My wife and I were enjoying some peace and quiet in the kitchen while our daughter napped in our bedroom. And then my daughter began crying. Any parent who has young children can tell you, you can get, you get used to your child's cries and you can tell after a while what they need. They cry differently if they're hungry or need changing or are just restless or want to be held. Babies can communicate pretty well before they can speak. This cry was none of those things. This cry was terror. The second we heard it... Oh, my God. It's horrible. The second we heard it, my wife and I were both up and out of our chairs and running into the room. The door was locked, of course, and it took a few seconds to get the right key in and get it open. My son was in the room. We lived in... We lived in a bungalow and the bastard had climbed in the window to get to her. He was standing over her crib with a steak knife in his hand. I have no idea where he got it. It wasn't one of ours. We controlled our knives very carefully and always kept them in locked drawers. I think he may have stolen it from one of the neighbour's houses. He had broken her skin twice already. Oh my God. Bastard. Once in the belly area and once on her arm. I could see blood running down. When I entered the room, he was dragging the back of the knife down her face, not cutting, almost tickling her with it, teasing her while she screamed. He looked up at us. What a piece of shit. He looked up at us and smiled. Before I knew what I was doing, I was already moving, running to put myself between them. I didn't think about it, I just moved instinctively. Even with that, my wife got there faster. It was like a movie on Fast Forward. She got to our son and bashed his hand away, knocking the knife across the room, and then shoved him with her whole body weight so hard that he flew away from the crib and bounced off the wall. I picked up my daughter and held her while my wife screened us. I could see her shaking, almost convulsing. I can remember the smell of the room, the sound of my daughter screaming and wailing, the look on my son's face as he stood there, just nothing, blank, dead. There was nothing in his eyes, no emotion. He looked like an alien to me. 
I watched my wife take a step towards him. I could have reached out and stopped her, but I didn't. She stepped forward again, very close to him. I could have stopped her again, but I didn't. She waited, looking at him, for maybe three to five seconds without moving, and then she punched him straight in the face. Good. Now, until this point, you may have been picturing my wife as a typical woman, small frame, dainty, delicate. This is not the case. My wife does have a small frame, but dainty and delicate she is not, and never has been since I've known her. Since her early teens, my wife has been a boxer. MMA didn't exist back then, but karate and boxing were big back in those days, and my wife was a very talented amateur. She was about 130 pounds, she carried a lot of muscle, and she knew how to punch. I had 70 pounds on her back then, and I have no doubt that in a real fight between me and her, she would have wound up pounding me flat. Neither of us had ever laid a hand on our son in anger before, but something broke in her that day. And all the years of anger and pain and sorrow and frustration just came pouring out. When she hit him, his head snapped back and blood started pouring out of his nose. He hardly reacted. He just looked at her with a shocked expression, like he didn't know how to process what had just happened. She waited another second and then she hit him again. I could have reached out and stopped her. I could have dragged her out of the room, taken her away, calmed her. I didn't. I just stood there and watched while she systematically started to pound him to a pulp. Every time he brought his hands to cover one part, she would blast him somewhere else. Body, head, body, head, over and over. He started screaming, crying out, yelling for her to stop. It's the most genuine reaction I'd ever seen him have to anything in his whole life. But she wasn't stopping. I watched her ramping up, hitting harder, faster, working him like a heavy bag. He tried to swing at her and she slipped him easily. She was on autopilot, sinking sinking down into her training. I stood there watching for a minute, then I turned my back on them and took my daughter out of the room. I brought my daughter to the kitchen and gave her a bath in the sink. I found that he had cut her a third time on the sole of her foot but all the cuts were superficial. I cleaned her up and held her until she calmed. I put antiseptic on and band-aids on her cuts. In our bedroom, I could hear my son screaming, calling my wife horrible names, telling her that he would cut off her head and fuck her corpse. I know. (laughs) He's vile. He's getting the shit beaten out of him. Yeah, but that's but the worse. thing is, though, if you're getting the shit beaten out of you, do you really think to say something like that? Yeah, that's just going to make it worse. That's just pure hate. Also, it's just hatred. Wasn't it Ed Kemper that did that, that chopped his mother's yes. head off and fuck? Did he fuck her neck or fuck something? The, yeah, the, yeah, he did. Ugh. Yeah. So I don't know if that was back in the that kind of time. I don't know if that were you know maybe that's where he got the idea. But still, that's a nasty thing to say. Yeah, that's vile. After a while, I didn't hear him saying anything anymore. Didn't even hear him crying out. I assumed that he must have been knocked out, but I could still hear her beating him. That went on for a long time, long enough for my daughter to drift off to sleep in my arms. 
I just sat at the kitchen table waiting for her to finish. Finally, she came out and sat down across from me. Her hands were swollen and red. Her face and arms were splattered with blood. Her chest was heaving. We just stared at each other without saying anything. After a while, I asked, is he dead? She looked back at me and answered, I fucking hope so. (gasps) I I nodded. That was all there was to say about it. I understood how she felt perfectly. I felt the same. I didn't know what to do. So we just sat there waiting silently. Eventually, my wife started crying and went to go take a shower. I just stayed where I was holding our daughter. After a long while, I heard moaning and sobbing coming from our room. It turned out that my son wasn't dead. I went in to see how bad it was, and it was pretty bad. I've never seen a more merciless beating laid onto anyone before or since. He was laying on the floor, rolling around with blood leaking out of his face, lying in a pool of vomit. His nose was squashed flat across his face. Both of his eyes were completely swollen shut and starting to blacken already. I could see that a couple of his fingers were bent out in weird angles and he pissed his pants. I think he must have been missing teeth, but I couldn't see any on the floor and I couldn't see the inside of his mouth because his lips were all puffed up and swollen. From talking to my wife about it later, I know now that she had systematically beaten every part of his body, focusing heavily heavily on his legs. She told me she kicked him in the groin repeatedly until until her legs got tired and had kept beating his body long after he had passed out. Oh, that's also pr- horrific. <laughs> she was cross. I know. I, I mean, don't you feel so <laughs> conflicted by this though? Because like, completely. I get it, but also, I just think that's a bit far. Fucking hell! Do you know what I mean? Like, she went into mama bear mode, but also she is his mama bear. Yeah. So like, it's so conflicting, isn't it? Because I get it. He's a piece of shit, and that's her baby. But still, yeah. But, like, to the extent that she's clearly beat him is shocking. That's shocking for anyone, yeah. She she just, she wanted to kill him. Yeah, Yeah. she didn't stop. Yeah, her mission was to kill him, I think. She really wanted to. Yeah. She wanted to cause as much pain as possible before killing him as well. If she kept hitting him in the legs, you're not going to get killed from being hit in the leg. That's just going to hurt a lot. She was just beating any bo- any piece, you know, any bit that she any, could. Yeah, but for a long time. I mean, I don't know. When it's out of anger, you just, you just think a couple of slaps maybe or maybe a couple of punches and then you kind of come to your senses, I assume. But how much? I, I, pen, I, how many I've years? never beaten anyone up, so. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Just, but how many years of pent-up anger? Like 17 yeah, years. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah. Um... When my wife came out of the shower, I still didn't know what to do with about our son. I didn't know whether to call the police or an ambulance, take him to the hospital myself. I honestly didn't have an, any idea of what to do. After a while, I realised that I simply didn't care what happened to him anymore. And we decided to just let him live or die on his own. There was an in-law suite 
in the basement that we never really used and my wife, my daughter and I just moved down there. We simply closed off the top floor, um, the top floor of the house to my son and locked everything down, separated our lives entirely. There was plenty of food in the upstairs cabinets, enough for a couple of weeks or more. He had a washroom and bedrooms to use. We had a washroom in the basement, a small kitchenette and a separate entrance. So we just stopped going upstairs. We just decided we were done with him. I figured we'd let he'd fi- I figured we'd let his food run out and see what happened. Over the oh, next that's week. Awful. <laughs> Over the next week we could hear him moving around upstairs sometimes. I think he just spent most of the time lying in bed recovering. I went to work watching on high alert in case he attacked me in the driveway, but he never did. My wife stayed stayed home with our daughter. She was never out of our sight. One night we heard him going ballistic, smashing things and banging. We didn't respond. He never tried to get downstairs or get near us though. I think he was afraid that if he got near us again, my wife might just finish the job. After three weeks down in the basement, we hadn't heard anything from up above for a few days and I ventured upstairs to the main floor of the house. The place was demolished and there was no sign of my son. He was gone. It took months to repair the damage he had done and get the main floor back to normal again. There was food and shit smeared all over the walls and broken glass on the floor. It is disgusting. And broken glass on the floor, big holes in the drywall. He had ripped the place apart. He tore up the the lino in a corner of the kitchen and emptied an entire foam fire extinguisher into the living room. I feel thankful that he didn't burn the house down with us in it. I'm honestly not sure why he didn't. The kid wasn't shy about lighting things on fire. After that, I lived in fear every day that he would come back that he would ambush us out of the blue and try and kill us. We moved house about three years later and I finally stopped being afraid that he would show up. As now he had no idea where we were, I finally felt safe from him. All this happened a long time ago. My son was born in the spring of 1971. So that, so that yeah, that would make him now... Uh, like 60. 60. My daughter was born in 88. I'm an old man now. I'll be 70 this year and my wife passed from cancer in 2016. My daughter is 31 now. I moved in with her and her husband after my wife passed. I've got two granddaughters and they are the joy of my life. I see a therapist a couple of times a month to talk about all this. I don't know where my son is. The last time I saw him was when he was lying on the floor of our bedroom, bleeding and smashed. I haven't heard from him since he left, more than 30 years now. I don't, and I don't want to. I carry a lot of guilt from that time and a lot of conflicted emotions. I didn't beat him myself, but I allowed him to be beaten and I thought he deserved it and I was happy it happened. I didn't try to kill him, but I would have been happy if he died. I will say that I do hope he was able to overcome his demons and go live a normal life somewhere. If he wasn't able to do that, if he stayed the way he was, then I truly do hope someone out there killed him. When I knew, I oh know, 
When I knew him, he was a rabid dog, and whichever way it went, I just hope he still isn't out there hurting anyone else. And that's the end of that. I mean, that is the most conflicting story ever, isn't it? Like, I was... uh, For our emotions, like, how I feel now, like... Yeah, the emotions were up and down, and like you say, conflicting, because the mum was hurting her baby, but to protect her other baby, it's just a... I'd be really interested who his son is because, fuck me, I would be very surprised if he turned out normal. Mm. When was he born? 1971? 1971, yeah. Hold on. What, you're looking up serial killers born in 1971? (laughs) 1971, yeah. But then again, I would look up, like, killers and stuff in the 80s, but when were all the serial killers? In the 70s and 80s. So, you know, there's loads of serial killers that we never caught because they thought they placed it on other serial killers. Yeah, you yeah. know, there was the amount of, um, when I'm looking for stories and stuff, the amount of serial killers that got confused with each other because they had similar MOs. I know. He could, just, he could be a politician. Doubtful. Mate, he could be anyone though, couldn't he? He literally is, could be anyone. Is that you, Boris? When's Boris born? Like, <laughs> no, I honestly, I'm getting serious, like criminal, rapist, ah. uh, serial killer vibe. To be honest, I reckon he'd be like a trucker serial killer. You know, like just a dirty trucker that like meets girls at the side of the road like vile yeah like slap just like slashes them up and stuff i mean that poor dog i mean that that upset me probably the most that poor bloody dog i'm being stabbed in the eye Jesus. Just the whole thing's awful, isn't the it? Whole, like, the whole story was awful. And I know it's not yeah. paranormal, and I know it's not weird, but it was spine-chilling. Yeah. That, oh, guess, that... who, guess who was born in 1971? Who? Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I don't think it was Snoop Dogg. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think it was. I don't think it Me was. Me neither. <laughs> Um, so yeah uh, so Bex do you want to do yours and then I'll do the funny 911 calls at the end yeah I think we're going to need it after mine again it's not a cheerful tale (laughs) does it beat mine does it beat mine I think yours no yours is definitely more conflicting mine's just boom fact that happened you know kind of thing yeah 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 there's uh, obviously questions about the why um but yeah, it was. Um, it's just a bit of a tragedy and everything. But yeah, you're not yours. That tragedy. was uh, very good. Well, good find there, Emma. I've never, ever, ever heard of that one before. No. Well, there you go. It's the magic of the internet. Uh, right. So my story is in New Zealand. Oh, Tom's neighbours. <laughs> 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 
It's a shame you couldn't be here, Tom, to, to listen to... <laughs> I'm sure you know everyone that lives there. <laughs> it would have been fun to get him to do, like, a, um, an Australian accent and then a New Zealand accent, because... I'll be damned if I can tell the difference. No, there's no way. There is no way he could do the difference. No way. <laughs> saying, saying it. I'm only being brave because he's not here. <laughs> now, I, there was slightly. I couldn't. I can't do it because I can't even do an Australian accent. But um, New Zealand, I can't. Even, it is different. I feel like if I had an Australian person and a New Zealand person in front of me, I'd be able to tell the difference. But I would definitely do the accent the same. Yeah, and I yeah, I'd think it was different, but then it'd sound exactly the same. I do yeah. think we have listeners in New Zealand and in Australia, so we do apologise. <laughs> Obviously, you don't sound the same. <laughs> oh, that's what we so, were saying. We were saying you don't I'm sound so... the same, but we can't do the accent, we, so we, there's we, no we point in know. trying. I, I mean, guys, we sound... I can do an Essex accent. That's about it. Exactly. So... <laughs> and, and me and Becky, we're just northern, so, you know, yeah. that's... I can do posh telephone voice. Oh, everybody's got their posh telephone voice. No, but voice. I could try and do... I live in quite an affluent area, and, like, where I work is really, really middle class. Do it. Um, no, I can't just do it on cue. So, but but sometimes you I do hear to, myself at work. I'm like, who is this? Yeah, uh, hold on. Like, well, let's do a bit of role play. We'll cut this out. <laughs> uh, um, hello there. I would like to have an old. Uh, oh, oh God, shit. <laughs> <laughs> America. Hence why I never went to acting school. I would like to reserve a, a table for four, please, at seven o'clock. Is that okay? Um, I'm afraid we can't do seven o'clock this evening. Um, could you do 7.30 instead? <gasps> well, because your voice is so damn sexy. <laughs> see you answering the phone but i used to have the same at the bar you just i you love have your professional telephone voice. telephone voice yeah but then i also depending who my customers are depends on how i talk as well because there are a couple of geezers that come in you know like he's a builder do you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, he's, yeah, made yeah, co- yeah. he's made he's made a couple of quid so he's bought a nice house in a nice village do you know what i mean but i'm still a geezer <laughs> and then you know, and then we've got like so we've got gangster, gangster Tom and Geezer Tash. <laughs> gangster Tom, Geezer Tash. <laughs> I thought I knew these people, <laughs> Becky. Are you? Why do we? We've got to stop these accents. We have to stop. Right. Anyway, Becky, should we do your story, babe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So. Yeah, so this is this story place takes place in New Zealand. This uh, story revolves revolves, yeah, is that a word? <laughs> yeah, around a guy a guy called uh, a geezer called David Malcolm Gray. Okay, actually, a really normal name that we're not going to be able to laugh about. No, no, but, funny about but, that name. So, Malk, thanks for that. We appreciate you and your name. No, it was David yeah. Malcolm, wasn't it? Or Malcolm David, David Malcolm Gray. David Malcolm. Yeah. Oh, Dave, 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 Dave. 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 Thanks, Dave. Dave. Now, how do you do <laughs> New Zealand again? No, oh, nobody Tom. knows. <laughs> nobody Tom. knows. 
Because I got this story. This story was ready for you. And you weren't here. Anyway. Just to be um, clear, Tom was invited tonight, but he had other (laughs) things to do. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Let's move away from accents, because actually this isn't an accent podcast. No, Literally, nobody can do one. I mean, <laughs> Becky can do a pretty, guns, pretty good gun sound, and I think that's about oh, yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Bang, bang. <laughs> right. So David Malcolm Gray was born in Port Charmer on the 20th of November, 1956. He lived with his mum, Molly, and his dad, David, so and his two siblings in a state house. I think a state house is a council house. Is that what that means? I reckon so. I think so. Let's go with that. Neighbours described them as a pleasant family Neighbors. that didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> Sorry. That's Australian. Everybody so... needs good neighbours. That's finished. Isn't it finished? It's no, it's not. It is. They're finishing it. It's good. end end of. There's like one more no. seat. They are. Yeah. End of. No more neighbours are all moving away. How are they going to end that? A really good way to end it is how our story. This story ends. <laughs> <laughs> what with a serial killer who just turns up and kills everybody? <laughs> it's just like nope. No more soap. They're all dead. Um, Neighbours described them as a pleasant family that didn't have a lot of money, but always kept their house tidy. Well, that's good. <laughs> it's better than mine. Mine's just covered in cats. I was going to say, as I literally look around my living room now, disgusting. Cats and felt-tip pens. So they were poor but had a tidy house? I don't think they were poor because they still buy a house eventually, but I just they didn't have a lot of money. Maybe they were in a wealthy neighbourhood and they just weren't rich. They um, said they didn't have much money. It said they didn't have a lot of money. But what is a lot of money? <laughs> well, that's subjective, isn't yeah, it? So... it is. <laughs> yeah, they uh, visited the beach every now and again at Aram... Aram... Oh, shit. Aramoana... Aramoana for the holidays. They fell in love with the area and in the 1960s they bought a small crib as a holiday home. Oh, and I think a, a crib, crib. Yeah, they call it a crib. I think that's a New Zealand word for small house. Oh, okay, cute. Or like a like a holiday home, you know. Um, I mean, I'm imagining a beach hut, but <laughs> Yeah, but it's a really pretty like it's it's I say town but it's this little settlement near the sea. Grey had a relatively normal, happy childhood compared to the usual stories I tell on this podcast. His no mum and dad, then. no shit smearing, <laughs> no child abuse, abuse even. His mum and dad, as far as I can tell from my re- research, had a very stable and happy marriage. Uh, Grey himself was a quiet child, uh, a little bit of a loner, but apparently he was very sensitive maybe a little too sensitive and would get very like upset very easily and hurt. Oh. Gray was very interested in military culture. This stemmed from comic books when he was younger and then it turned into him just lead- reading anything military, obsessed. 
Um, he was very disinterested in life in general. He spent a lot of time in his room. He didn't shave. When he got to be a bit older, a teenager, he didn't shave. He looked like he was homeless. He was working on a farm at one point, and um, his parents think he was just very depressed. Oh, bless him. But again, compared to what I normally... Normally? Compared to what I normally say on this podcast, his parents actually took him to a psychiatrist and got him Go help. them. Well done, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Gray. And this is still is in the, what, in the very early 70s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, early 70s. Um, hey, in my, in well. my story, they took him to a therapist too, just saying. They did. They yeah, did. They... The, yeah, well done, parents, of these two weird... Well, potentially weird. We don't know if Gray's weird yet, but he's going to be weird. Assume he is. I've named. Uh, <laughs> I've given him. I've named his full name, including middle name. You know, he's going to be a killer. Yeah. So you know, um, well done to those parents for trying their best. Yeah. Um. So with going to therapy and and getting a bit of help, he changed jobs. So he realised that he wasn't very happy. So he changed jobs and started working for the railway. His uh, when he was working there, his father sadly died Did suddenly. Railway. <laughs> Did you he hear it? For the railway. Did you hear it, Tash? I'm sure she said railway. <laughs> I did, and I thought, oh, I can't be able to say it again. I was just trying not to laugh because she definitely said it weird. But then I was like, in my. <laughs> I did. And when I said it, my eyes went really big and I was like, they haven't said anything wrong with it. (laughs) But I was just more shocked. I was like, oh, I felt shocked that they even had (laughs) trains in New Zealand. I don't know why. (laughs) What? Why aren't they allowed trains, Tasha? I'm so sorry. You know, like, in your head, you have a vision of a country... And, and there was no trains in that video. No, <laughs> exactly. Boot, boot. Because it's quite a vast country, isn't it? And like spacious and it's not like overpopulated like the UK is, for example. And I just imagine lots of rolling uh, fields and uh, no trains, trains don't come in. Trains don't come into that lovely picturesque view of New Zealand that I have in my mind's eye. So... You know, uh, that's that's what I was thinking when you mentioned trains. So, cool. Oh, you didn't no. pick up on the railway? <laughs> no. Oh, I did. <laughs> and then and then it spiralled in my head. New Zealand have trains. And railways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he changed jobs and started working for the railway. Railway. <laughs> <laughs> In 1978, Gray's father suddenly died. So, in... That's sad. Yeah, it is. Gray saved up his money to travel overseas. He visited countries where his father had been based when he was in the military. Japan, Morocco, and all over Europe. This was a trip that his parents had wanted to take together, so he took it in his honour. That's sweet. Super sweet. really sweet. Yeah. Well, unless he killed people. No, I don't think he did. 
on a cul- <laughs> culling, uh, culling, killing tour of Europe. Killing spree began. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! I mean, but, but, at the minute, he sounds like a stand-up bloke. Yeah, I'm enjoying his company. When he came da- back to New Zealand, not long after, his mother died in 1985. This deeply affected Grey. His siblings agreed that he could have the small crib in Aramoana and helped him move there. Then they eventually lost all contact with him. Um, Grey loved gardening and seemed to enjoy the peacefulness of the town. He was known by the locals as odd but harmless. He loved gadgets and he would wow the local children with his metal detector and his cool finds. Oh, what's going so well? Dot, dot, dot. Pause. Until reports of a peeping Tom started spreading around the village. Oh no, Dave, we had such high hopes. Peeping Toms, they're the fucking worst. (laughs) (laughs) Just peeping. Toms are okay until (laughs) until they're peeping Toms. so and so rumors of a a peeping tom start spreading around the village women's underwear would go missing from clotheslines (gasps) i had that happen to me no you didn't i did did. back where where uh well i don't really want to say you know where because i don't want to give away the location but in the house i lived with with my dad when we first moved over to france so about when i was about 14 15 16 i had a boyfriend who was extremely abusive and um we had quite a long-term relationship and i eventually managed to get rid of him but it took for fucking ever in fact one of my male friends moved into my house for two weeks to make sure that i didn't get back with him because you know that's just how they work isn't it manipulation they turn up in tears yeah. blah 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 so the, the, my male friend moved in and stopped me from getting back with this guy but after that my underwear and only my really nice underwear like the really expensive stuff the lacy little thongs you know the matching bras and would go missing off the clothesline and eventually it got so bad that I reported it to the police and the fucking police laughed at me. They said, well, they did. I I remember to this day what the policeman said. He said, well, if you're getting all your underwear stolen, what are you wearing now? Oh my God. Oh my fucking God. I swear down he did and nothing was done about it. And it eventually it just stopped and I just stopped buying nice underwear and it, yeah. But it was so my, yeah, I'm not saying it was my ex, but. But it was. Oh, okay. it's a little bit suspicious, isn't it? <laughs> he he came into my house one night because we didn't really lock the door. We had a Doberman and, you know, I don't know. We were in the middle of the countryside. We, did just, we just didn't lock the door. He came into my house one night and decapitated a teddy bear and left it on my staircase. What the fuck? Emma, what? how are you still alive? Is he in prison? No, no, he's not. Fucking hell. I know. Fucking hell. Had some demons, that man. He was not right in the head, indeed. Well, clearly. Do you know what I mean? Still weird, though. But yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he stole my knickers. 
In fact, I kind of hope it was him because if it wasn't him, I have no idea who stole my knickers. <laughs> yeah. Creepy farmer down the road. Just get... Like better the devil you know type thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that policeman. Yeah, that's wrong, man. That's awful. And especially knowing now that all of the serial killers that, that start out as peeping toms. I couldn't find if there was any evidence behind it, but rumours said it was it was Grey that did it. I don't know whether it was true or just because he was the oddball of the town that he got, it was pinned on him. Uh, people started getting really riled up about it, though, and went over to push him around. The oh. police uh, got involved as well and paid him a few visits. Um, he said he felt very threatened by the whole thing. After that, he became really reclusive, but also very hostile to people in the town. The beginning of the end is, was when he became sick. He blamed his name, his neighbour, um, for this. What can you guess? Hazard a guess. What sickness his neighbour he thought his neighbour gave him? Mono. Um... Glandular fever. <laughs> Oh, wow. So don't do this, Tash, please. Uh, Yeah, he had glandular fever, which turned into chronic fatigue. Hey, chronic fatigue syndrome is is the risk. Yeah. Not for you, my darling. You'll be fine. Hope not. Fingers crossed, eh? No, you'll be right. Yeah. The only thing, the only good thing he had in his life was this little dog that was his neighbor's dog, but he liked walking it and he'd walk it every day. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. It was the, his neighbor was called Gary Holden and it was uh, his dog. But then the dog kept getting out. um, And then one day it got out and chased some sheep and it had to be put down. Oh, no. Oh, no. And he was absolutely devastated, and that was the well, only I bet thing he, was. he had really. That the only connection he really had to the outside world, apart from his military memorabilia and everything that he had in his home. So on the morning of the thirteenth of November, nineteen ninety, uh, was a very sunny spring day, um, and no one would have ever have imagined that the day would be full of horror, violence, and death. Shit. Yes. So we've got a sudden turn for the worst here. Gary Holden, Grey's neighbour, had planned to go on a family bike ride with his daughters, uh, Shakia and Jasmine, along with his girlfriend, Julie Ann Bryson, and Julie's adopted daughter, Rewa. One of the girls' handlebars needed fixing, so Holden took the bike back to his house a few weeks, a few streets away to repair it. Julie, they, him and Julie were dating, but they didn't live in the same house yet. So Jasmine and Rewa were tagged along. Chik- uh, Shakita stayed behind, helping Julie with the dishes before asking if she could stay the night at Julia's house. Julie sent her to her father's house to ask permission, so she ran on after them. Uh, when Holden got home, one of his dogs, he must have had another dog, one of, uh, or this is a new one, one of his dogs got out and ran onto Greg's, Greg's property, 
One of the girls went to go and retrieve the dog. Gray came out screaming and shouting and confront, confronted Holden um, about about the dog running around on his property. I thought he liked dogs. He liked dogs, but I think it was the whole... He didn't want another dog out and then the dog was going to get killed again okay. because Holden okay. couldn't keep his dogs inside. Yeah. Holden basically told him to get over it and called the dog in. Gray was still heartbroken from the last dog they had to put down because it kept getting out. And just something in him snapped. He went into his house, retrieved a... Oh, this is gun name, so God knows how I'm going to... How it's really pronounced. A Norinco 84S semi-automatic rifle. So it's a semi-automatic, like, military kind of gun. Walked outside and shot Holden dead where he stood. Nearby, with escalated a... quickly, didn't it? Very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah, they don't really know why why this happened. There's not much of a he just snapped of an explanation. He just just snapped. I think it was all the whole being excluded, and then I he think everything. One thing I think then... he's had a really hard time. Yeah, think... he's not had an, an easy easy life. I don't think so. He always found social. Social gatherings and stuff, you always found that quite difficult to... Yeah. Yeah. I just think it was a bit of an awkward, maybe shy person. And, yeah. Not like it excuses this. Nearby were three were the three young girls. So Holden's two daughters and their, and their friend Rewa. Uh, the girls ran into Holden's house as Grey followed them onto the property. He saw Shakita and shot her through the left arm and chest. He quickly found the other two girls hiding in the house and shot them too. Shakita was badly wounded, and she but she knew she had to get help. So she fled past her father's body to to back to Julie's house to to get help. While while she was doing that, Gray set the Holden house on fire. Fucking so, hell. Julie, realizing that that Rewa and Jasmine were still in the house, drove her van there. So yeah, Shakita got to the house, bleeding, screaming about what happened. So they got into the van where, um, with Shakita in the in attempts to go and save the girls. But as they got close, Gray started shooting at the van. As, as they passed by the house, which was by then completely ablaze. What the fuck? Gray started shooting randomly, targeting a pickup full of locals who had seen the Holden house burning and stopped to help. He first shot Vanessa Percy, then shot into the back of the truck where there was a, two young boys and their sister. So Leah Wilson and Dion Percy were were shot dead straight away mm. and Stacy the sister had really severe wounds to her abdomen but was still alive. My god, he has just gone like full mental. It's like a proper rampage, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's the word. He's gone on a fucking rampage. Mm. Ross Percy, the children's father who had been driving them home after a day fishing when they saw the fire was next to die, followed by Elite uh Alakai Tali, who had also been with them fishing that day. Gray then entered the home of Tim Jameson, killing him and another elderly 
local former Green Island mayor, Vic Crimp. Next victim was James Dixon, who was out looking for his dog. There's lots of dogs going missing in this town. <laughs> I don't Clearly. think the fences were still. I was going to say, sort your fences out, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Helen Dixon, James's mother, and his neighbour Chris Cole went to the road to see what the noise was. Gray shot at both of them, wo- wounding Cole, who was in a phone booth calling the police at the time. And this forced Helen to dive for cover. Helen, who had just recently had a hip replacement, was unable to walk without assistance. So she pulled herself along on her stomach, using her arms and feet, in in an attempt to get inside and phone for help. So, which she did do, and then she crawled back to Cole to tell him help was coming. Help would unfortunately arrive too late for Cole. Who would die? He would die later in hospital. The first armed police officer on the scene was Sergeant Stuart Guthrie, a local police officer in charge of Port Chalmers Police Station. He came armed with a revolver. Frontline police in New Zealand do not routinely carry firearms, but luckily he had his on today. Well, they have very low crime rates, don't they, in New Zealand? Or have I just made that? Have I just made that up? No, I think it's a pretty, like, chill, chill. place to live, isn't it? Yeah. That's I don't get the... I, I picture it like that. Yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, Guthrie enlisted help of Constable Russell Anderson, who had arrived a short time earlier with the fire service. He armed Anderson with a rifle belong- belonging to a resident. With darkness approaching, the pair moved through the township to Gray's house where Guthrie deployed the constable to cover the front of the house while he moved to the more dangerous rear of the house. Detective Paul Allen Knox and two constables arrived, starting the first step of the cordon contain appeal, which is a thing, standard police strategy for armed offenders. Guthrie observed Gray and relayed his movements inside the house to the police communications centre. Anderson spotted Gray coming out of the front of the property and shouted at him to drop his weapon. Then he retreated quickly into the house, passing through the rear of the property. Guthrie encountered Gray coming out of the darkness at the back of the house. Yelling at the gunman to surrender, he fired a warning shot. Gray shouted, don't shoot, don't shoot, leading Guthrie to believe that he was surrendering. However, Gray suddenly fired several times. One shot Guthrie in the head, killing him instantly. Oh, oh my hell. God. It's just like, it's almost random, isn't it? Like, this is literally yeah. somebody who has just snapped. Snapped, yeah. An anti terrorist squad was finally deployed. Um, they scoped out the town by helicopter first, they kept flying high. Because Grey had already shot a news helicopter earlier that day. And uh, this particular helicopter didn't have armour. It wasn't an armoured helicopter. Then they went through the settlement and checked house by house, searching for Grey. They walked by bodies of men, women and children on the way. Also, there was a team there picking up the wounded, that little girl in the back of the pickup truck. And then... um, the lady that had the hip replaced 
They were just searching for survivors at the same time. After a long day searching from house to house, the ATS checked a crib with the broken back window at the northeast side of the township. The crib had a large had large hedges on both sides. They spotted Grey through the window. Grey opened fire and the ATS returned fire. Grey managed to shoot one of them in the ankle. Around 5.50pm, Grey ran out of the house, shooting from the hip and shouting, kill me, kill me, fucking kill me, you bastards. But in an Australian accent. No, New Zealand. A New Zealand accent. Yeah, but in a New Zealand accent. He took several steps before being hit again and knocked down by the gunfire. He, I was going to say, come on, yeah, shoot he him. He was shot five times in the eye, the neck, the chest, and twice in the groin. Good. Yeah. But even with these injuries, he was just shoot. flailing about on the floor, screaming, screaming, kill me, kill what? me. What? Fuck's sake. Yeah. He just completely yeah, lost it. He was shot in the eye. Adrenaline does funny things to yeah. a person. Yeah. So even with these horrific injuries, he continu- continued to flail about, shouting at police. They managed to uh, restrain him and handcuff him, but he would eventually die where he lay on the lawn. Good. A number of people involved in the incident received bravery awards, including Guthrie, who was awarded the George Cross for gallantry, and Mrs. Dickerson later Aww. received the George Medal for Bravery. So, how many people did he kill? Yeah, I'll I'll read them out. Um, this is the 13 people altogether. Oh, so God. Their names were Gary Holden, 38, Jasmine Holden, 11, Rewa Bryson, 11, Chris Cole, 62, Vic Crimp, 71, Jim Dixon, 45. Tim Jamieson, 69. Ross Percy, 42. Vanessa Percy, 26. Alakai Tali, 41. John Percy, 6. Leo Wilson, oh. Leo Wilson, 6. Sar- Sergeant Stu Guthrie, 41. Literally, I've got goosebumps. Literally. Yeah, it's, just... it's shocking. All those isn't people. It? And it's just so sad. For nothing. For nothing. He just snapped, didn't he? Yeah. Little kids, though. I mean, horrendous. Yeah, like, it makes it shocking. way worse when there's kids. I just think it it's... It was just like he did have... And he had zero humanity left in him. Like, zero... Yeah, he just he just completely snapped, wasn't he? He was no, no longer himself. Just anybody. And then I reckon when he come back down to earth and was like... Um, back in his own mind, that's when yeah. He, was like, he did suicide me. by 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 police at the end. He did it on purpose. Yeah. Um, the massacre sparked lengthy debate about gun control in New Zealand, and a 1992 amendment to the regulations on military-style semi-automatic firearms. 
This was the worst massacre in New Zealand history up until the Christchurch terror attack in 2019. Oh yeah, that was another terrible thing. Yeah, that was awful, wasn't it? Uh, There is a memorial um, statue in in the town, metres from where some of them died. At the bottom, there's teddy bears and and things like that. It's really so sad. Mm. So sad. So sad. God, what bloody miserable podcast. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Oh, dear me. Yeah. No time to do something else. (laughs) At the end of the day, Becky, the 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 title is Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. It's going to be about stuff that doesn't make you feel great. We'll do another podcast, folks, called Sunshine and Biscuits. (laughs) And well, well. (laughs) We can talk about the biscuits we've eaten that week and where we ate them and if it was in the sun or not. (laughs) So, shall we cheer things up a bit? I think we need to. I mean... I've got yeah. I've got two <laughs> recordings here. Now, one of them is a bit gross, but still quite funny. <laughs> and uh probably not funny for the person mind. And the and the other one is um let me hopefully you can hear it okay. Hang on. Two ticks. decide whether that's real or not i could just think in shock in shock you could possibly say that i've heard that that before but i think it is real i honestly and it's not not chewed up my own dick how big hold on though but how big is his dick because you would ask that when you're no it's a valid question no (laughs) rebecca it's a valid question because the garbage disposal is in the sink, right? So one would assume he's up on tiptoes, aiming his penis into the sink. Like, how is he dangling that? Like, do you know what I mean, though? You're not going to be, like, standing above it, teabagging it, are you? <laughs> like, no, he slipped, so he felt... I mean, it could just be the tip. I don't know. But a flip, yo, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Was he standing on the counter? 
I mean, we don't do you know have what garbage I mean? disposals, so we don't know. I don't know. No, but garbage. Yeah, but I do know what a garbage disposal is. So you know, no, like I know what sink. one is, but we've watched American Telly. It doesn't make sense, well, maybe does it's it? A fake, but I still thought it was quite funny. Yeah. It's like a- I mean, it fucking was hilarious. <laughs> well, not hilarious, but hilarious at the same time. <laughs> I think I need a clean-up team. <laughs> you need more than that, babes. <laughs> Slip and slide from hell. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Do you want to listen to the second one I got? Yeah, I do. Well, okay. yeah. Hang on. operator was like (laughs) one of these (laughs) I loved how he went oh are you Sharon and she's like no oh Sharon you're an angel that's what an angel would say (laughs) I do feel that that would be me if I ever took drugs that is the reason I will never take drugs because I am guaranteed to have Start with a call I would have a two-headed werewolf chasing me around the house, like yeah. And you'd be like, Becky, no, there's not... a two-headed werewolf, and my hands are spoons. I... <laughs> I, whenever I wash my hands, it keeps flicking water everywhere. Oh my god, can you imagine? That'd be a nightmare. And <laughs> think of how many, how how you'd be so awesome at an egg and spoon race. Ten at a time, bitches. Ten at a time. <laughs> oh, ladies, shall we wrap this up? We definitely should. Should we plug stuff? Should we Facebook? Guys, we're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, I think that's it. All the jazz. Yeah. Find us. We're there. And I think I changed the... Uh, Twitter, so it's the same as TikTok and Instagram, so it's SCSK underscore podcast. So, so Great. they're all the same. We're there. Give us a like, give us a follow. We got loads of new followers, so hey to you. Hope you like the show. Oh, thanks for the follow, guys. Means a lot. 300, 320 followers we've got on Facebook now. Whoop, whoop. So popular. So popular. Twitter, not so much. But I'm trying my best. Yeah. And also, if you have any hometown murder stories or creepy ghost stories or just any interesting stories, really, just uh, send an email to us. We'd love to hear about it. 
and our email address is chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Perfect. Right. So thanks for listening and see you next week. Yeah, we will. So stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. Bye.